Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined, as always, by Tommy Johnson and also Daniel Zollinger, uh, who is now uh, officially part of the podcast. So welcome aboard officially, Daniel. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, doing well. I was on uh, vacation last week, so um, rested, recharged, ready to podcast. I was actually uh, in Orange Beach in Alabama, and one little tidbit, there was probably about five to one people decked out in LSU gear as opposed to Alabama people, so LSU fans riding that crimson tide in, storming the beaches of Alabama, so hopefully we can do the same here in the upcoming season. <laughs> yes, yes, I love the, the imagery there of storming the beaches. Uh, yeah, I've actually been down there, and there are uh, my family actually vacations down there in the Orange Beach, Dolphin Island, that area. Uh, yeah, I don't know where Alabama fans vacation if they do, but that's that's usually pretty pretty consistently Tiger territory in the summer months. But um, uh, back to the to our to our group uh, today, we're going to be getting into some football news, not so much recruiting, but just some other behind the scenes stuff. You know, coaches were making their tour this week. Um, there was also uh, some juicy, some juicy gossip about a potential scandal issue, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, there's some also some more baseball awards and mentions coming out, and uh, you know whatever else com- comes to us. Uh, but s- starting with football, uh, it was announced this week that they are going to extend the contracts of uh, assistants Steve Insminger, Tommy Moffitt, who's the strength coach, uh, and James Craig. Uh, who is the offensive line coach, and I think uh, Verge Osbury, who is a, an assistant in the athletic department, he, he actually had an expanded role mentioned as well. Uh, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this because, you know, it's not unusual for them to extend coaches, uh, but just specifically, uh, you know, with Innsminger, I thought, you know, it was interesting because I think he'd only had the official offensive coordinator as his own this past year, correct? I know he was offensive coordinator when they, you know, right after they let um, Matt Canada go. Matt Canada, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So right after they let Matt Canada go, I know he had it that next year because it, you know, they just didn't have time to find anyone. Uh, but this last year, he had the offense under his control, and I thought they did well. Um, now my question is, do you think? it was worthy of him getting an extension so far. Um, My immediate reaction was, I'm not sure because the offense did look good, but you know, they also had a new quarterback and part of the issue with LSU has been developing a quarterback. So I guess I pose this to you. Do you think it was the right move at the right time or maybe not? What do you guys think? Um, well, for for context, a lot of LSU fans and pundits have been down on Insminger for a while. They say he's kind of he's too old. He's got a a you know backwards approach to offense, not moving towards that spread, not moving towards that um, you know more uh, <clears throat> more fast paced offense. But you see, that's why they bring in Joe Brady. So if Insminger is acting more as the manager and the you know, the administrator of the offense, making sure that everything fits together and then gives more of the creative control to Joe Brady, then I don't see why there's an issue with it. I do agree that it's a little bit, you know, early, or not, not necessarily early, but it is 
Um, premature? Premature, yeah. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's um, the worst hire. I, I enjoyed watching it. I think the offense was definitely an improvement next uh, last year. And then from yeah. everything we've heard about the spring game and going forward, you know, it's Joe Brady looks like he's getting a lot of – he's, he's not just there. He's definitely doing a lot. So, you know, uh, I think we'll have to wait and see what exactly how the offense looks and, and if it's really more Ensminger's offense or if it's Brady's offense or if it's a combination of the both. But um, I think it's, if, if Brady has enough influence, then uh, LSU fans can, can be rest assured that we're at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, Insminger, he actually led LSU's offense to only ninth in the SEC in total yards per game. I think it was 400 about yards per game. Uh, in my opinion, we didn't really have the dominant ground and pound run game that we had had in the past few years. So if you can kind of reintegrate that with Brady's uh, mix and match spread, then I think we'll definitely move forward. But I think it might have been a little early to just after one season extend him out through 2021 and $800,000. That's a lot of money. Although if you compare it to Dave Aranda on the defense, he's making two and a half million a year, which is pretty insane for just a defensive coordinator. But as long as they can stop the other team, I guess he deserves it all. <laughs> and the boosters are yeah. willing to, to throw the money in there. Yeah, you know, I, I want to give Insmeager credit here because the offense did do well. I mean, it was, like you said, it was only ninth. Uh, but the, this was under the, uh, you know, the, prep, the precipice of we've got to change the offense. You know, let's, let's ditch the, the I formation and, and just trying to run it up the middle uh, like we had been, you know, in the previous uh, coaching era. Um, but I think – Insminger wanted to change it. He was open to change it. But there's also, you know, the component of he and Coach O get along really well. And that yeah. was pretty much the reason that Matt Canada left, uh, was there was just too much conflict there, uh, you know, personal uh, personality conflict, basically. Um, and, you know, Insminger obviously is not too, too high and mighty to where they're going to bring in an assistant from the Saints to help with this new offense. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why he's not getting two and a half millions. You know, they, they have all these other offensive assistants coming in, which is great. Um, but he has been there for 10 years. So there, there, there's gotta be some, you know, some value to the guy. Otherwise they wouldn't have kept him around. I guess I'm just hesitant to say, all right, well, yeah, he's worth another $200,000 on, you know, there's all these tangibles, but one thing he did say that I guess, so that was one of the issues I had was, uh, he said that. Miles Brennan was probably one of the most improved players, you know, and that's been the issue is developing quarterbacks. You know, it's like, well, recruiting and developing quarterbacks because the, the guy that had the most success before Joe Burrow was Zach Mettenberger, you know, and he was a transfer in as well. So I guess that's my, that was my only contingency as well. You know, that's great. The offense is good, but uh, you know, we, we got to keep it going. It can't just be a flash in the pan. Every time there is a, a stud QB that transfers in because we still haven't developed our own, you know? Well, I mean, Miles Brennan was a, was a four-star coming in out of, uh, I guess, yes, he was, or, or Bay St. Louis somewhere around there. So, yeah. And, and he has, I, I saw him in the spring game. He looked real good. Now, you know, that is, that is, um, you know, inner squad play. Um, uh, but he was playing against the ones, the one defense. So he was playing against the Grant Delpit and the, uh, the, uh, Christian Fulton, 
and you know those those kind of uh, you know first string defensive players. So I think that the 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 thing about Miles Brennan is that he fits. He's going to fit well into this new system, and he'll if he gets a year to work behind uh, Joe Burrow as they introduce it with the you know the Joe Brady Insminger system. Um, I can see where he would be, where he could be a standout player. That, and we we don't we have I don't think we've ever seen the ceiling of Miles Brennan, even that season when he he played like a, a decent amount. So yeah, because it wasn't it. I guess it was two years ago that he I think he started the first couple games. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he did. And, and then I think they moved on to somebody else. But um, you know, we I think it was more of you know he didn't fit in with the system and he was a true freshman than it was. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of a bust, or we haven't developed him. Yeah, and then it gives right. us op- options now besides Joe Burrow if something happens or whatever. We have that backup to to come in, and, and Miles Brennan at this point I feel would be pretty competent in that role. To uh, to take it back to the coaches a little bit, the strength coach Tommy Moffat got an extension too with some raises, and that's I think one of the guys who you do want to put the money towards because especially in SEC you need that strength training. Uh, to to build up your offensive and defensive lines and just having that strength all around and strength and speed is what you need to win because they they say you can't teach uh, speed, the only thing, Uh, but you can teach them to get stronger. LSU football official Instagram actually posted an Instagram video um, training montage a couple of days ago in the weight room. It's actually, it's a very good watch. If you look that up, they, they're wearing these t-shirts that say stronger, faster, tougher, better. Uh, I wish I could be part of the program and get one of those t-shirts, but you can see everybody's kind of really buying into that and hopefully toughening up for this season. Well, Moffitt's been a staple for LSU for a, a, a long time now. And he's like, he's really one of those, you know, one of those coaches that's a leader. He fits that, um, fits that role of strength coach, kind of like the loud guy who can, he'll, uh, you know, pump everybody up. Um, and from what I've heard, some, some little inside information, he's also, uh, he, he knows his, he, he's the, he's one of the most aware coaches of understanding how the new playoff system, um, you know, how, how it can be, I don't want to say gamed, how you can just the, the dynamics of it, I the guess. Dyna- yeah. The dynamics of it. And he's, he is, he was early on um, a, a willing to accept and, and push forward and get out of that BCS mindset of kind of what we, me and you, uh, Scott, talked about last time of uh, every game is the national championship. And if you lose, it's over. He's, he's been pushing that, pushing this program towards a more, let's look, let's look at the whole season. Let's take a big picture approach and not, um, and, and and understand that we can still have great success and still you know contend for a national championship even if we're not you know we don't have an immaculate season. Right. You know I I agree and he is definitely a good motivator. I remember something coming out. Uh, it was a few years ago. I think it might have been when Coach Miles was still there, uh, and when he knew that uh, NFL scouts were were going to be around the program, uh, he would post on the outside of his office, everyone that had missed the workouts. I don't know if it was addressed to this, like, hey, uh, if you're visiting today, these are the guys that missed their workouts. So that would be quite a motivator to know that your own coach is going to out you to any potential future employers just by missing one workout. 
and, and I heard that, I thought, oh, that's great. You know, that, that would definitely motivate me to not miss another workout. Um, but uh, speak, speaking of, uh, they, I saw an interview with Joe Brady, and uh, going back to what we were saying about, uh, you know, the quarterback and, and Brennan, Brennan being ready. Uh, he's bulked up a lot, you know, obviously, thanks to, to Tommy Moffitt. Uh, but they, he said that they were going to be trying to get the ball out fast, uh, making use of the speed that LSU has in space. And, you know, when Joe Burrow's gone, we kind of want someone similar to him because Burrow can run. I mean, he's not a uh, the, the typical dual threat guy, but he can run if he have to, and he's he's got a good size to him. And they say that they've already been designing some some runs for for Miles Brennan, which I thought, okay, good, here we go, because Miles Brennan to me looks like you know just a stand in the pocket kind of guy when he first got here. But if he's bulking up and they're designing some runs for him, that makes me a little bit more comfortable for next year, assuming, you know, he's the guy that's going to take over, I would think. Yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the threat of running. I don't I, I don't think I like dual threat quarterbacks, though. I mean, traditionally, um, you haven't seen a, a, you know, full on dual threat quarterback have a great success, in, you know, with the exception of maybe Cam Newton um, or Russell Wilson. Russell, yeah. But, what about but Lamar still, Jackson? I guess, well, okay, yeah. Well, it's still early, but, I think, for him. Well, I, I mean, he did win the Heisman, but um, I think that, especially, it, it, now there is a good point, Lamar Jackson was not playing in the SEC. Um, he did get destroyed by LSU in that bowl game. Yeah. Yes, he so, did. I think that, I kind of like the approach of, of um, Kind of like what they did with uh, with Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Kind of what they do with Tua or with Jalen Hurts at uh, at Alabama is you have a guy who can run. You have a guy who, if it's there, he'll take the opportunity. But I don't I don't like you know having our quarterback be the number one or number two run threat in our offense. So I like I yeah I do I do agree. Joe Burrow is a he's a good athlete. He can um, I mean we saw in that Georgia game you know he sealed the deal with his own feet. Um, and he also had that iconic image of him just like looking back and he looks terrified as he's running. It's hilarious. But, um, <laughs> but I, I like that. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're designing some stuff for him and for Brennan. Um, but I just would not want to go the way of, of, uh, you know, full on spread offense, dual threat kind of, uh, approach when, you know, this is still sec ball. Yeah, Burrow did say in the interview yesterday, the quote was, I think we're going to score a lot of points, and I don't think a lot of people are used to LSU scoring 40, 50, 60 points a game. And that would certainly be good, but if LSU scores 60 points in a game this year, I will personally buy a Joe Burrow jersey because I do not think it's going to happen. Now, you know, Scott, this is, this is <laughs> you brought up something really important that we need, to, we need to shed light on because Daniel is not a – he is a – I'm a Joe Burrow apologist. Daniel is a Joe Burrow. Burrow, I'm not going to say hater. That's a little bit harsh. Non-believer, maybe. He's a Joe Burrow skeptic. Skeptic. Yes. There you go. And uh, I think that will come out as as the season comes on. Expect. uh, I'll make a prediction. Um, Expect when Joe Burrow. You know, maybe he just has a bad series. Maybe a bad game. Maybe a bad quarter. Daniel will be the first to pile on. Um, I will stand by Broadway Joe, or not Broadway, Broadway, Burbank Joe. <laughs> um, 
I mean, he's good, but, but he's just not that good. He, no, he he is not just that good. I mean, he's not. He's 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 great. I love you, Joe. You're great. You know, keep it up. Um, we don't because the thing is, we don't need to have success. We don't need a Heisman a Heisman winning quarterback. It'd be great, but we don't need that. Look at LSU's teams that have great success. They're they have you know, better-than-average game-managing quarterbacks. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. They can hand the ball off when they need to. They can throw the ball with uh, accuracy when needed. And they just are able to, to lead the offense and keep the ball moving. And if Joe Burrow can do that or, or just a little bit more, then we're absolutely fine. And that's all we're asking him to do. So uh, just expect Daniel to, to be anti-Burrow uh, maybe week. Meet me going into week two, maybe. We'll see. I, I hope I eat my words on that one. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But I just, uh, I, it's already out there. But I just want to to give you a chance to amend that. Now you're saying sixty points in any game this year, or are we excluding, you know, um, what Southern. would be considered a, yeah, any game, even I don't, any I game. Gonna, there we I go. It's going to score maybe fifty-two against Georgia Southern, and that's that's it. You know the interesting thing is now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I really don't think that I've ever seen LSU run the score up even on like a like an absolute terrible team, a, a Bama last year style beatdown on like the you know whoever take your pick the Citadel. Yeah, well the, no, the right. Citadel hung with them though. Yeah, Citadel tied with Bama at halftime. Never forget. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Well, but no, I, I agree. It's, I know they've scored sixty plus. I just. You know, it uh, it was on somebody they should have scored sixty plus on, like Idaho or something like that. Um, but uh, good to know we're we're going to follow that as the season goes on. Uh, hopefully, you can buy it early enough in the season, Daniel, to where maybe he could sign it for you by the time they get to their bowl game. Well, you know, um, there's this is here's another good point. Daniel's the only uh, the only person on this podcast to make personal contact with Joe Burrow. Yeah, after the I was at the Georgia game last year, and when we won, stormed the field. I was right in the middle, and Jibber was walking past. So I just dapped him up on his shoulder pads, thanked him for his service, and <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow was just striding down the field, head held high. So I did respect him in that moment. Yes, in that in that one moment. <laughs> See, it's always different when you're face to face with him. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I would say uh, I wanted to mention this because uh, this is something Joe Brady said, and. I thought it was uh, kind of hilarious, but, you know, it means a lot coming from a coach. Uh, Well, first thing he said is he, you know, Burrow makes everybody else better on the team, which is great. But then he said, I would run through a wall for Joe Burrow. Wow. (laughs) That says a lot. Um, I'm not sure I'd be willing to do that. Uh, I know Daniel won't, but um, that's that's great that your your passing game coordinator is willing to run through a wall for his quarterback. that kind of says something right there. I guess. That, I guess. I think the most important uh, important question to come out of that quote is if he would, if if uh, Joe Brady would run through a wall for Joe Burrow, then what would he have done for Drew Brees when he coached at the Saints? Yeah, I don't know. We're not we're not going to touch that one. But um, <laughs> uh, if 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 the, if the passing game coordinator is willing to do that, uh, I just hope the offensive linemen uh, have the same mentality because they're actually going to have to run through. Uh, walls, you know, moving walls, uh, especially when it gets into SEC play. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of good things. Um, in something even Ensminger said, he said this is probably uh, the first time in a few years where they've actually had enough depth on the O-line to where they're not shuffling 
you know, right tackles to the left side or vice versa. Um, so I, yeah, I don't mind if James Craig gets an extension and raise, uh, if that's the case, uh, because, you know, that's, that's been one of the issues is, you know, okay, we've had good QB play. We expected to have it this year, but I don't know if you guys remember, but the last few years, there's kind of been a lot of shuffling on the O-line, which hasn't really created an environment for any QB to succeed. I remember, well, let's say it could go back to Mettenberger's days. I remember him crawling on the field during the Alabama game. It was just a horrible look. You know, so you just you don't want that, and you want the O line to be able to block for the QB and block for the running game. So, again, you know, we talked about this last week. Where, all right, we, are we going to get too excited too soon about this new offense that they keep talking about? But it seems like all the talk is positive, and it's in the areas where we've all had concerns before. So, uh, I think fans maybe can finally trust that it's going to happen this year. You know. Yeah, yeah, we can we'll just drop fingers. Out. Two months away. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, 60 points in a game. You heard it here, folks. Uh, he's going to buy a, buy a jersey. <laughs> he might have to, might have to uh, retroactively buy that jersey because we did put up over 60 points against uh, A&M. In a yeah, high-scoring game ever. But <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, that's a different. That's count. a different game right there. No, no. He, we're making it from this point going forward because Burbank Joe said it earlier this week. So we'll just stick to that. Uh, um, I don't know anything else uh, football that you guys noticed this week. I don't think so. We could talk for a while, but uh, what else we got? Oh wait, I know what. You know what? There was this little bitty story. It seems like it's starting to gain some momentum. And uh, I, I've, I haven't really seen it on two, like um, I've seen it on Barstool. I've seen it on Yahoo, uh, but it still seems to kind of just be like a local story for the most part. Uh, and that's the story about this LSU booster who was actually in charge of Our Lady of the Lake, uh, which is a foundation. And he's been charged with a local hospital uh, in Baton Rouge for our out of, outside listeners. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, was like a, big, it was a hospital, hospital foundation. Big, it's a hospital foundation. And uh, he's been charged uh, and he's actually pleaded guilty. Uh, he was, he'd stole, I think around $550,000 uh, from these hospitals. Uh, but the, the, I think the bigger news as far as related to LSU is that um, it was, it was noted that he had sent $180,000 of that money to uh, to James Alexander, who was the father of a former LSU offensive guard, Vidal Alexander, who, who played from uh, 2012 to 2015. Uh, I, I don't know. There was also something noted, like um, there was also uh, family members of Rohan Davey, who played from LSU uh, in the late 90s and through 2001. His family members were mentioned. So... It's, it could be two separate instances, but I don't know. To me, that seems kind of arbitrary to where you're just going to possibly give money to family of Rohan Davey in the late 90s, and then you're just going to give a big lump sum to this one offensive guard for the Tigers in the, in the early 20-teens. Uh, I mean, it, it, from the outside looking in, it looks scandalous, but 
I don't know. Is there something else that could be that this could be for, or is it just a coincidence that he was a, a football player's dad? Because uh, it just seems too arbitrary for it to be, you know, a booster trying to get this kid to come play here. You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything. Uh, I don't think. I don't see any there. There. I think this is definitely more of a. You know, that they happen to know each, he's a big booster. He knows a lot of people. And then now there might be some sort of quid pro quo. Whereas, like, he wants to, you know, get in good with former LSU players' families or something like that. I don't think this is definitely not like directed by the program or some sort of way to funnel money to players because it just doesn't make any sense that. I mean, to be honest, Odell Beckham's not getting any money. You know, it's not the names aren't Odell Beckham and Leonard Fournette and uh, you know, take your pick. They're um, you know, somewhat. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say inconsequential, but they're def, they're not the big names that are in huge recruiting battles, and they're not some name that you know how I, where all the all the pundits are saying. Well, how did LSU land this guy? You know, he was he was 100 percent locked on Bama, and then suddenly he decommitted and went to. LSU, and then you find out, oh well, his dad got a got a big check from Our Lady of the Lake. So I think this is probably more of a they're putting these LSU players' names in there to get traction on the story because in Baton Rouge, this this thing has been going on since um, beginning of the year. Like I'd heard about it there because of um, there's some some this guy's a pretty connected guy just in general. He's uh he's the uncle of a of like a pretty prominent guy at, L- at LSU like student government. So. It's. I think it's probably. Are you talking about John John Paul, the guy that was uh, yeah John Fumes. charged John Paul Funes? Yeah. Yeah. So he, I think, I think he's just a connected man in Baton Rouge, and as you know, you know, if you have any any association to LSU football in Baton Rouge, you already have that kind of cachet. So he's connected. You know, players' families are connected, and it probably just they happen to all run in the same circles. I I don't because I don't think it's some sort of grand scheme as a way to funnel money to players. Yeah, it's weird to me. LSU's denied having any knowledge of it. The, their official statement was LSU was made aware of specific allegations by Our Lady of the Lake officials in late 2018, so it's been going on for a while, and made that information av- immediately available to the NCAA. As this is an ongoing inquiry, LSU will have no further comment. So they kind of copped out a little bit. They also used the, the word inquiry instead of investigation because we all know investigations are very bad and they don't want that. But inquiries but, are okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just a question yeah. at this point. But it's yeah, like you like you said, the the choosing of the player, some a good but not incredible offensive guard, and then no one else since two thousand and one. It's kind of like, what, what is going on here? It does it leads you to sus- suspect that maybe there's some sort of kind of coalition of big LSU boosters doing this, but then you have to say, does LSU know about it, or is it all some some kind of underground stuff? And then are they painted out? But you start getting kind of off the deep end there. So it's, I mean, we'll see how it plays out as the inquiry continues, but it doesn't really seem anything huge to me on the surface. It's, Oh my goodness, this guy got $180,000, but it's, I mean, people move money around all the time and they just know people. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's clear that it's clear that, you know, John Paul Fumes did did something bad. The question for LSU fans, I mean, honestly, like oh, he, well, he, he sure did something bad. He he embezzled five hundred thousand dollars from a hospital. Yeah, I, mean, no, I understand that. I, I know, but but that has nothing to do with with being in like that doesn't mean anything to me as an LSU fan. That's terrible for our lady the lake. But 
what I, what I'm concerned about when I'm thinking about this from an LSU perspective is was he directed to do this? And I think it's pretty clear when you read into the story and the fact that it's been going on for months now is that no. I think the NCAA would have been all, all over it already. We would have heard way more about it. Like, like Scott said, it's not really uh, – it's not the top story. It's not like the, uh, the Louisville scandal you know, with, that ousted Rick Pitino from a while ago or like the uh, Arizona scandal in, in basketball. So I think, this, I think that more so the LSU connection is just to drive, drive traffic to these sites that are talking about it than it is a you know, proof that there's some sort of scheme. Right. Uh, I mean, if there was a scheme, I think there would have been, A, a lot more names mentioned, and B, a lot closer together than, you know, 11 years apart. Uh, I just, I think it's it's too random, and I, I don't think that the coaches would have known about this, because, um, I, I, you know, there, there would have been more that came out with, with Les Miles, I think. I don't think this is something he would have gone for, necessarily, but... Um, you know, with these with these programs, you know, you look at it one way. Sometimes these boosters, they know they can't do this legally, so they will take it upon themselves to, you know, maybe make an arrangement with somebody. But I, I don't think that's the case here. We don't know everything yet, but who knows? Maybe he gave Vidal Alexander's dad 180000 for something else that they were working on. Maybe it was a real estate deal. Who knows? But it just doesn't make sense that out of the blue he's going to give one player's dad 180,000. Because I mean, Cam Newton wasn't even you know what was the whole thing with whether he was going to go to Mississippi State or Auburn. You know, his mm-hmm. dad was saying, "Oh, I, you know, I want 50 grand, or my son's not going to play here." Like that's yeah. a little bit more specific. Uh, this has this doesn't sound anything remotely close to that. So I'd be interested to hear what this money was for but I seriously doubt it was for Vidal Alexander's services at LSU. Well, the, the rumor that I heard from people um, in, at, at LSU who were talking about this, like by, right at the new year, right at the, when, you know, uh, January, February, was that he was basically just giving sweetheart deal jobs to family members, to people he knew. Who happened? And, and I guess you know some of them because I mean one hundred eighty thousand dollars is not the full five hundred thousand dollars that he pled guilty to. So uh, that it basically you know he might have been friends or somehow he knows Vidal Alexander's dad and he says, well I want to hire you for a job. And it's like maybe he doesn't even have a, maybe it's not really work and he's not actually doing anything. He just you know shows up and collects the check. Um, so I heard it was for you know fake jobs or jobs that he shouldn't have been giving to people. Hmm. Okay, so he just so it was just a coincidence that his son played football with LSU. He just wanted to give this gentleman a job, or maybe pay him more than was advertised, something along those lines. Well, maybe he's maybe he's playing maybe he's paying the guy more because because his son played at LSU and they know each other because he's a big boosher because he's just you know a big fan or something. But yeah, I, I think that you know like the the purpose of the money not is not to you know, oh, get your son to play. I think it was probably more of, I think, because I think the timeline also is like after play, playing, he gets the money. That's what my yeah. question was. Is he, yeah. uh, Alexander got there in 2012. So if the payment started in, you know, 2011 or 2012, or even right after, that would make sense. But if they, if he didn't start getting paid until, you know, his last year at LSU or after that, then it just, it doesn't add up, yeah. you know? 
but I do think uh, LSU uh, did help itself by, once it found out about it, re- self-reporting immediately. Because, uh, you know, the NCAA comes down even harder if you play dumb or deny outright, and then it comes out later that it did, in fact, happen that way. So, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, I've met with the compliance people at LSU. Um, they came into a class I was taking, and it was a sports law class, and they were talking about the way it works. And what they, what they told us was that actually LSU has the most robust and uh, the most people on staff, and they have the most self-reported football program or, or athletics program in the whole NCAA. And I think they have, you know, they said that they had a number of people and they like Alabama had like three people on, on the compliance staff. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, I think a lot of LSU fans um, would cynically, you know, say, well, that's not, you know, people, Alabama gets away with so much stuff just because they don't, they don't self-report it. But I guess we do, you know, we kind of benefit on the, in the long term because we don't get slapped with like a huge scholarship ban or a bowl ban. Yeah, we'll right. see kind of how it plays out in the next few weeks, I would say. Uh, and then hopefully Mark Emmert and the NCAA doesn't hit us with that ban hammer and just <laughs> strip our, our postseason rights and, and whatever else. But fingers crossed. Right, because um, I, I don't know. Would that mean – I don't know if that, what that would result in. Uh, you know, there wasn't a, a title on the line, maybe a bowl game. But, it, it, I mean, it honestly, if, if – if it's retroactive, it, it doesn't really hurt LSU. It would just hurt them going forward. But, uh, you know, again, I think the fact that they self-reported could probably shield them from, from anything harsh if this even turns out to be, uh, you know, uh, crossing a line with LSU. But, again, I, I think we all agree we don't – it doesn't sound like it. There's just – there's not enough information to make that conclusion. But, again, just an inquiry, not an investigation. Just asking questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Just seeing what people know, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I don't know. It's uh, this could come up with something I'd like to talk about in a little bit. But um, I did want to give uh, give some special mentions because the uh, the baseball program uh, is still getting some some accolades, even though the uh, the season's been over for a couple weeks and uh, you know the the champions have already been crowned, which was Vanderbilt. Um, just a, a great performance by them, by the way. But Zach Watson ended up signing with the Orioles. He was uh, he's actually drafted in the third round, but he just signed with him. I guess he, he wanted to wait for the season to be over. Uh, Cole Henry was nominated as a, a freshman All-American second team, but still he you know just goes to show what a good season he had. He was already a All-American within the SEC, but uh, to make a national All-American. Uh, that's a great honor. And former Tigers, Alex Bregman and DJ LeMahieu will be playing together as all-stars in this year's uh, MLB all-star game. And lastly, Austin Nola, who we talked about last week was called up. I think after 10 years in the minors, he was called up uh, to the Mariners and he got a hit on his first at bat, which uh, that's, that's a, that's a great, that's a great, you know, it's a great feeling, I'm sure. But then he just got his first home run uh, a few days ago, and he actually did it against the Astros. So people were joking if uh, Alex Bregman gave him a high five as he rounded the base, the bases. Uh, he did not. You know, <laughs> uh, he just 
walked on by. You know, it's different. You know, they're the pros. That's different teams now. Uh, but that was, that was a great, uh, great feeling for him, I'm sure. And just, you know, goes to show that uh, the talent, the talent that LSU has and puts in the MLB constantly. Um, also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, a smaller side note. Uh, LSU came in 11th with the Director's Cup, which is uh, it's given each year by all the ADs, uh, specifically the National Association of Athletic uh, Directors uh, and USA Today, uh, and it's just given to all the you know the schools that have the the guess the best performances in sports. Stanford was first. Uh, I think only Florida and the SEC was higher. I think they were fifth, but LSU came in at 11th, which was their highest uh, finish in like in the last decade. So just goes to show that all around the tiger sports program is thriving. Right. That's good. I mean, sometimes you can, in those type of awards, it it takes the average, not just in the the big sports, football, baseball, basketball, but all the ones down to swimming and diving and golf and everything else. So if you're really good at some of those, sports that may not get quite the publicity, then you can boost your ranking a little bit, but you definitely want to at least have a consistent performance across the board and LSU moving up in the rankings uh, is great because then that might even bring more attention to those sports when definitely have some deserving student athletes who uh, need that recognition for their, their accomplishments. And then uh, winding it back to Austin Nola, just a little tidbit. So far in the MLB, he's got a 385 batting average, which would rank number one all time. So he should probably retire now and be the best hitter of all time. <laughs> yeah, it, and you'll buy his jersey if he does, right? Correct. I'd buy it. If he, if he retired and said, I'm retiring because my batting average is the best of all time, like take me to Cooperstown now, I would buy his jersey. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, just the, the gall of someone that would do that. You know, I'm going to go out on top showmanship i don't think that's gonna happen but if he did that would definitely shock the sports world i think he wants to play a little bit longer i'll go down on record as saying i think he's gonna play a little bit longer before he retires on top you're gonna go out on a limb and make that make that prediction that he will continue playing baseball (laughs) i'm saying that right here and now that's That's my good career path you heard it here first yeah yeah um but uh uh Funny enough, speaking of careers, um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I- I'm sure you did. Um, but being a professional athlete is not just for post-college anymore, perhaps. Uh, the state of California over this last week had uh, passed some, some legislation that would m- open a door to paying collegiate players. And it's only in the state of California, so it would pretty much be all the, the D1 schools there and below. And, of course, the NCAA has already come out against this. Uh, Mark Emmert coming on and stating specifically, well, if you do that, then, you know, they shouldn't expect to be playing in any national title games uh, in any of those sports. And I thought, you know, fair enough, because that would just create chaos, not only with those schools, but just sports in general, because, you know, not every sport – makes the same amount for the athletic department. And I think it just create a lot of animosity between programs and athletes. But to bring it back specifically, let's say we're just talking about football. I even heard someone say, well, you know what? California could do that, and it could start its own collegiate athletic association just with all the schools that they have there. I thought, yeah, they probably could, baseball, basketball, and football. But 
I mean, who, and, and who would really care? Would <laughs> yeah, only people in California would. I mean, the rest of the country would still be doing its thing, so to speak. So just, I just thought it was a very interesting play on why they would even be passing this law right now, you know? Right. It's just a real complicated issue because, like you said, the football players are probably going to be getting paid a hundred times what any other sport would be getting paid. And then the big schools as well with their TV time and exposure, those players get so much more than the smaller schools. And then that uh, complicates the recruiting issue as well, because now players want to go to the school where they're going to get paid, not just where they're going to win a championship. And so that would shake out. I mean, Texas, they have their own TV network, the Longhorn network. Maybe I want to go to Texas just so I can get those TV rights. I don't know. But we'll see how it shakes out. The The bill isn't even supposed to go into effect until 2023, so at least they have a few years to iron out the wrinkles, even if it does go forward. Well, there's also they're also talking about doing this nationally. There's a congressman who wants to introduce a bill um, to allow players to, to profit off their likeness. I think that I think that they're, we're definitely heading towards a system where players will be able to make money. Uh, I think the the real the, the real uh, debate is how we're going to allow them to make money. I mean, the the truth is is that we already know that a a portion, large or small, we're not sure, make money off of their off the sports right now. I mean, it's no you know everyone knows that basketball players get paid sometimes some that some basketball players get paid. Everyone knows that some football players get paid, and there's all we've got, always got these scandals just uh, perpetually coming out. But see, like I'm partial to the likeness uh, system over the paid for scholarship system. Um, and I do think that as it's collegiate athletics, you should, I think, I, I think that like everyone should have at least like a baseline of how much they can make. So, because like you said, Daniel, uh, when you go, you know, you've got to talk to your player, a Leonard Fournette who goes to LSU. I don't think it's right that Leonard Fournette can, can make a ton of money. And then the, you know, three-star long snapper who who is still a scholarship athlete, but he's not he's not Leonard Fournette. He's not going to make anything because he's just because he's not famous. Um, I, I I remember when uh, I was in a class talking about this in sports marketing, and one of the points that was brought up is, you know, Leonard Fournette would be a great player regardless of where he goes, but a large portion of that of that uh, that brand that he's built is because he's wearing purple and gold, and because he plays at Tiger Stadium. So. I would I, I I lean more towards like a compromise um, rather than an open market of just you know basically free agency for athletes. Right, and then you can right. say, are the are the athletes are they eligible to get corporate sponsorships now while they're in college? Can can companies pay them for that stuff? And then you you're recruiting these eighteen year old freshman basketball star, whatever Zion Williamson is is. He's got his own Nike shoes coming out of high school and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. It's it's weird. To See, I, about. I, I like I like thinking about it more as a as a team team aspect. So, let's say LSU LSU sponsored by Nike. If if the players could, if every player on the team got a check for, we'll say, I don't know, you know, four hundred bucks a month or something like that. I don't know how much you know it would shake out to be, but a, every player on the team who's an LSU Tiger football player got a little bit of a check. I think that's fairer because, and and then they sponsor. You know, you have the the LSU has a, a Nike ad on TV, and you see not just Leonard Fournette or not just Odell Beckham, but you see 
all the players or the, or the whole, you know, Tiger Stadium, the whole thing, then I think that's fairer. Um, and you could do the same thing with Duke, you know, Duke basketball. Run, you know, the players get to share in that and reap the benefits of that. I, I like that system because it may sound corny, but, you know, the, the walk-on player who – comes to practice every day and is, you know, still going to class and still maintaining eligibility and still boosting that team's GPA and all that kind of stuff. He, he contributes in the same way that the star player does. And I do think that as it's college athletics, there needs to be a, uh, some, some form of, of, I guess, collegiality. Sure. I I don't think that just paying everyone uh, is going to solve it, but, you know, I remember a few years back when UConn won the title. You know, one of the star players was saying, you know, we, yeah, we 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 won the title and all this, but you know, we still we still can't afford food at night because you know they don't let them have jobs necessarily while they're there. But going back to what you were saying about maybe compromise. So what about this? What if somebody like Leonard Fournette, who actually had his own brand before he. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to LSU, Booga, Booga Nation, something like yeah. that. What if it was an option for him? What if instead of signing with LSU and having to put all of his stuff that he had done before he even got there, before he even got number seven, if he was allowed to have that or a scholarship? Because if he's able to make money off of that and it's his own thing before he gets to college, I think that's okay. I think he should be able to do that if someone's already working on their own brand and own investment. Uh, and then that'll actually open up a scholarship for one of these guys, these walk-ons who are busting their butt, making the grades, and so on and so forth. Um, what about that? That's that's kind of a compromise like you were talking about. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, another another thing that – so I, I had a friend in one of my classes, and he, he ran cross-country for LSU, and I think he also ran track. And he um, he was talking about how he had a buddy from A&M who ran cross-country for A&M. And as this guy was a high schooler, he was one of the top touted, you know, high, uh, high school cross country stars. And so he would go, you know, they go to all these meets across the country, and you know, you kind of uh, he developed a following selling some something, some sort of accessory for cross country. I don't know exactly what it is, but he developed a brand, and um, he made a lot of money off of it. And he, you know, it was a very like thriving business. And then the moment he stepped on AM's campus, the compliance department came to him and said, "You have to shut down your business because." Uh, you know, even though it had nothing to do with A and M, because it, he was running track for A and M, and he was had a business based on you know the running sports, um, they could not like have any sense of impropriety, and so he had to shut it down. I, yeah, I agree. I don't think that's right. I think that you know the same thing. Like you said, uh, I brought that up in class is the Leonard from that thing. And well, he was he was Booga Nation before he was an LSU player, um, but the, the the NCAA is just such a convoluted system that. You know they would cu- they would come up with some reason why you can't or why you can, so it, it's really a mess. I know that they talk a lot about to double back what you're saying about how I guess it was Kimball Walker said he couldn't eat food at night because you know they have moved yeah. towards um, what they call uh, cost of like real cost of attendance where it's like a calculation of what the cost of living would be in your college town and they can and the NCAA has approved adding that on top of your scholarship. Um, and I think that from what I've heard, there's a lot of – you could fudge a lot of what exactly the cost of attendance is. So some players actually may get more cost of attendance than others. Um, but, uh, you know, it's definitely it's, – it's still, it's still very regulated, and it's still not a 
you know, definitely not a merit-based system of, you know, you're a, you're a five-star, so you get 15,000, or you're a four-star, so you get 10. Right. No, I don't think it should be either. Because um, as, as, as you said uh, last week, you don't put any uh, credit on stars because look at uh, Tyrone Matthew was a three-star. Yep. By the time he left college, he was a five-star. So I, I don't think that's the way to do that either. Um, but it's obvious that something has to be done. It's kind of boiling to a, to, a, to a tipping point here. So I think the NCAA should kind of be proactive instead of being reactionary to someone like California who's just going to go off and do their own thing because the NCAA has not taken this on themselves. Yeah, I think, uh, I think so it's definitely the NCAA doesn't want to address it. You know, they'd rather sweep it under the rug and just say, well, we're, you know, they'd love to put those ads out. A lot of people were attacking those ads of, like, the life of a college athlete. Uh, did you see those? They were going around a lot during the uh, baseball, during the Omaha, where... Oh, no, I didn't. So it's, like, this kid, and he, you know, he, he wakes up at, like, 5.30 in the morning, and he's, like, running, and then he goes to class, and he's, like, raising his hand and being real active in class because he's a student athlete. And then he goes to practice, and then he goes, I think he goes to eat, and then he's got, like, a job. And it's just like a, a very like rose-colored glasses view of what it's like to be a student athlete. And a lot of like former players were tweeting and be like, "This is not what it's like at all." Um, so the NCAA does oh, yeah. kind of, you know, co- comedically put out this persona of what it is to be a, a, a you know a student athlete. So I, I think that they should just drop this veneer of where you know we we provide the we provide scholarly activity as, as the real payment and, and, you know, education is the real, the real achievement. Um, that's why I, I do. That's why I like the compromise of, of, uh, of profiting off your likeness. I, you, after the spring game, you can go to LSU, you can go down to the, onto the field and get, um, autographs from every player. I think people would pay 30, you know, 20, 30, $40 just to go on the field and meet the players and get autographs. And if that, if all that went into a pot and was you know divided among the players, I think that'd be a good thing. Um, and then of course, and something that I think both me and Daniel are are just on the tip of our tongues right now is if you could open the door to profiting off the likeness, then we could bring back NCAA the the video game. Yeah, I think that's what we all want is just the sweet NCAA football. It's been since 2014 when Denard Robinson was on the cover. And so maybe NCAA football 2019 with Tua on the cover of 2020 Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, that would uh, that would reap it or, in. So wait, what, what, what about what about a uh, Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow on the cover? I can yeah. only hope. Or or even better, Daniel wearing a Joe Burrow jersey on the cover. <laughs> True, hanging my head <laughs> in shame. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you this: if Joe Burrow wins the Heisman, I will buy Daniel's jersey for him. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. But I want you to get it signed. That's the thing. You have to get it signed, and say I didn't believe in you when he signs it. Yeah, he has to sign. He has to sign it like you know. Look at me now, Jibber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's what it's all about here. Uh, NCAA football games. That's actually how a lot of this started. Uh, I don't know if you guys were too uh, too young to remember. Uh, Ed O'Bannon, he's the one that started this lawsuit against the NCAA because after the UCLA won a title with him and his brother back in 95, I think it was, um, you know, they were using their likenesses. And there's been people ever since. I think I remember seeing 
Johnny Manziel's number two on Texas A&M's team, which, you know, if it was some generic number, that's fine. But it was obviously meant to be modeled after Johnny yeah. football. And, yeah, that's just the part where the NCAA, I think, loses credibility in this argument because they were using these players' likenesses. It's not like, you know, uh, they just sat back and just let uh, EA Sports do its own thing. You know, that was obviously – it was allowed to happen, and they knew it was happening. So they kind of lose a little bit of their argument there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, from, from the NCAA perspective, you walk into – and until I think maybe three or four years ago, it, the, you know, the Ed O'Bannon case was the first case. And then I, I fail to remember the, the name of the player, but there was, then there was a football player that kind of brought together a class action lawsuit that ended I, – I was talking to – actually, I was talking to a buddy last night about it. NCAA 15 was supposed to come out. Like they, I think they were almost ready to ship it, and then the suit came right in the summer before, like in July, and the game would ship in August, um, and they, uh, and so they had to scrap the game, and it was because of this lawsuit. But at the time, um, at, at around that same time, if you walked into LSU, uh, LSU's bookstore, the only jerseys you could buy were seven, eighteen. Three, you know, and they're and sure they're generic. They don't have a name on the back, but you're not buying the jersey just because you like the number. You're buying the jersey because it's Tyron Matthews' jersey. You're buying the jersey because Odell Beckham's jersey. And so they um, nowadays, if you walk in and uh, Daniel, I know I, I, I know we've both been in the LSU bookstore. You'll find random numbers. It's like one, you know, fourteen, twelve. Like, and, and I mean, of course, they are real players, but they're not. They're not that that star player's jersey, and it's because of this, these lawsuits where the NCAA is, is being accused of profiting off of likeness. And uh, you're right to, to talk about the – to speak to the, the video game thing. It was always the great, the great joy of getting that game of, oh, I can't wait to see how they've ranked Johnny Manziel this year. And, of course, it doesn't say Manziel on the back, but, yeah, it's quarterback number two. He's from Dallas, Texas, or Houston, wherever Johnny Manziel – I don't know. Anyways, he's from where Johnny Manziel's from. He's five ten. He's two hundred something pounds, and he runs a four four. And um, and then what they added, and I think what the tipping point was, was for twenty years you would get the game, and it would be quarterback number two or cornerback number seven from New Orleans, Tyron Matthew. But it wouldn't have the name. But then when the uh, when internet gaming became very, very popular, they added this thing called roster share where you could just download the names of every single player and somebody outside of the EA framework would make it, but I still use it today and it's great. And even you can play 20, you can play the old game and get the new, and you can have Trevor Lawrence and Tua and Joe Burrow on your teams. So it would, it would make it so much easier because it's clear that that's what they were doing. They were profiting off the likeness. It would make it so much easier if they just admit it. We could go back to enjoying our game, and the players could have a little bit of change in their pocket. Yeah, maybe even they just have that check waiting for them once they graduate. That could be another compromise. That's a, that's know? a good idea too. You could say how you know, and you could put it in an account and have it accrue interest, and have it as like an almost like a four hundred one k. And you want to talk about actually, Scott, you might have just made the idea because you could say that's an incentive to stay in college. You could say. Oh, yeah. The more, you know, the more you play, the longer you're on this team, and if you graduate, you know, your, your money is accruing interest in a, you know, some sort of account. And when you graduate, you get this, you, get this, you know, lump sum. It's, yeah, that's definitely that's an idea. 
Yeah, you put it in escrow. Like you said, it's accruing interest, and the more you stay, or the longer you stay, the more you get paid. That could be, uh, you know, they always talk about recruiting juniors. That would be possibly a good way because, you know, what is it, one more year? They just have to wait one more year. Uh, you know, if you're a first-round draft pick, if you get your draft grade and you're a first-round draft pick, you know, I, I don't think you'd care about 15 grand or whatever be waiting for you. I think, you know, those guys should still go. But the ones that don't get those draft grades, that would be it. Then again, you know, it's maybe they're not their number is not going to be profitable ones, but but still, it's it's an option. It's something to think about. Absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh any anything else jump out at you guys this week? Not that I know of. I think we covered it all, you know. I'm 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 anxiously waiting uh, for the season, I was talking uh, to a buddy yesterday about it and how, you know, there's basically nothing to watch right now. So, ready to get back in that mindset of looking forward to every Saturday, and uh, you know, just happy to be on the pod again. For sure, yeah. yeah. It may not may not have been the biggest news week, but I think we got a at least a few good discussions on it, and we'll keep ramping up as we move forward to the football season. Oh yes, we will ramp up the discussions and we will ramp up the bets. I think we got a couple going already. Um, so so far, I think Tommy. He he said, "What, what did you say last week? Do you remember?" It was um, you, you didn't I want said, to go on record. I tried. To I did not want to go, go on record. record. I I alluded to the fact that if if my argument that Cocho is the new Dabo Sweeney oh, right. is correct, then we can expect some good news in maybe three to four years. Got it. And we will, you know, we'll let the listeners decide what that good news is. Maybe if you haven't listened to the last pod, go back and see what I'm talking about. But uh, it's going to be a lot of podcast episodes before then. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Just check me, check me on pod, uh, pod number 475 and we'll see uh, if I was correct. (laughs) I'll be a little bit more optimistic. I'll say uh, maybe there's a pod in January that would, that would cover this and you could pay, pay this pseudo bet that you're straddling the fence on a lot sooner. Uh, so we got that one going. And then apparently I'm going to buy Daniel his Joe Burrow Jersey when he wins the Heisman and he's going to have to tell him that he has Not, to sign it. Yeah. And I have to buy the Jersey <laughs> if she scores 60 points in a game, yeah. which I still think there we go. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, I, I think, <laughs> I think that's more possible than Burrow winning the Heisman, but we'll see. Yes. <laughs> if I'm laying odds on All that, right. I, I think that uh, I think that uh, the 60 point bet is a little bit a uh, little bit better. Yeah, and it's actually you know fairly reasonable, um, just because Joe Burrow said so, and that's that's enough for me to go on. Uh, but that'll. Uh, That'll pretty much do it for us with the LSU's podcast for the Red Zone Report. Uh, go ahead and give us a, a subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at RZRLSU Pod. You can check us out individually. I am at Scott Gerard One. We have at Tommy Johnson LA. That's capital L, capital A. And at DF Zollinger. That's Z O L L I N G E R. That'll do it for us. Uh, and if you enjoyed, be sure to follow us next week, and uh, you could also make a donation at the Support Us tab at laredzonereport.com. The more support, the more content and, you know, just outlandish bets that we can bring you folks each week. That'll do it for us. Take it easy. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, of course. <laughs>